I'm going to jump right in because I got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So I want you, if you have Bibles, to turn to Ruth chapter 1, and I'm going to get there in just a couple minutes. Ruth chapter 1. But let me just tell you what this is about. Because I have a feeling that a couple people have been like, what's up with that? You know what I mean? What's up with Blank and Moss? And everybody knows this Christmas, right? And so what's up with that? And so I'm just going to tell you, I'm letting y'all inside my brain today and letting y'all understand how this came about. First of all, did anybody see, show of hands, did anybody see the dude that looked like Kevin James go crazy talking about, you should boycott? Did anybody see that? We should boycott the, who saw it? We should boycott Starbucks and you shouldn't go there anymore. And they took Christ out of Christmas and all this stuff. We're talking about a Jewish company. Let me just say this as a side note. A Jewish company took Christ out of Christmas. My goodness, that's crazy, right? If y'all don't know, Jews don't believe that Jesus was who he said he was. There you go. That's free. But like my whole thing with this is like, so we watch these like, Christmas specials and stuff and we're like this is the meaning of Christmas and you got to give and not receive and all that's great that's awesome but I finally just said okay I want to know what does it really mean like I, I'm, I'm tired of, of hearing this and hearing that and doing all that I want to really know what does it mean and so I looked and it blew my mind and so we're going to find out what this is and what it has to do with us and so the whole point of today for, and the whole point of the next four services, by the way, is for us to understand what is Christ's mass really about? What does that really mean for each one of us? And I'm telling you right now, if you'll open your minds and your hearts, I believe your minds are going to be blown and your hearts are going to be full based on what Christ really means and what it really has to do with you and how you are Christ's mass. And that's the whole point. And it's going to, I'm telling you, my mind's blown. Hopefully y'all will walk away with me and I'm not just crazy. Come on, somebody and talk to me. All right. So here's the deal. Let's look back at Jesus and the John chapter one, verse one says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was with God in the beginning. And then it continues and I don't even have it on the screen, but all things were made by him and nothing was made that has been made except through Jesus, because he is the word. And so when you look back at Jesus in the manger, and that's awesome. Listen, that's the second most significant thing that has ever happened on this planet. The resurrection of Christ, most significant. Second most significant, that he came, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. That's unbelievable. And, and that's cool because we put him in a manger and we're like sing songs and all that, but it's weird and crazy, right? He was really born of a virgin. God became flesh and lived a sinless life. But, but it was from the beginning that he was with God. It's not, it's not 2,000 years ago when he came to earth. It was from the beginning. This Jesus did not just become. He always has been. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is in all things, and he is the word. And so to understand that, we have to, we have to start from the beginning and get who Jesus is. And so now I want you to look at what Christ Moss means. And so here's what the word Christ means. And some of y'all know and some of you don't. By the way, side note, it's not Jesus' last name. Did y'all know that? Jesus' last name is not Christ. So some of y'all are like, dang, <laughs> I didn't know that, right? But Christ means Christos and it's anointed or to anoint. Anointed one or to anoint. That is literally what Christos or Christ means is, is to put an anointing on you. He was the anointed one. He came as the Messiah is what that literally translates. But then when he gives himself to you, when you trust Christ as Savior, he puts his Holy Spirit inside of you and he puts that on you. And here's what Psalm chapter 8 verse 5 says. This is fascinating. He said, yet 
you have made him, this is us, each one of us, a little bit lower than heavenly beings, and that word is Elohim, and in most cases, that means God. So it, you've made him a little bit lower than, than God, than, than the one talking, and crowned him, or anointed him with glory and honor. And so this, let me just quickly, and some of y'all have heard this before, but that means that when he made you, he put his stuff on you. And when you got saved, when you trusted Christ, and this is for every Christian in the room, if you're not, I got good news, we're gonna get to you in a minute. But for every person that's trusted Christ, that means that he gave you his stuff when he made you, and then he put his Holy Spirit in you. And so you are carrying him with you at all times. And now this is where the moss comes and this is crazy and this is where I started kicking stuff when I learned this. And this is what it means. Look, moss is Misa. It's the word Misa and it means go. It means dismissal on mission. Now listen, this is why that's crazy. That means that Christ's moss being in you means that I can't stay where I am. Did you know this that Jesus said in John 16, it's better if I don't stay here. It's better if I go. Because I'm going to leave someone that's better because he can be inside of you, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was in a person of Jesus Christ while he was on the planet. When he left, he dropped his Holy Spirit on us and we received power and explosion happened. And Jesus didn't start the church until he left because Christ's moss became in you. An explosion took place and said, listen, I'm not going to do all this. I'm going to leave me for you and you're going to do all this. So you're Christ's moss. Now, that's good stuff right there. If we leave right now, y'all heard something that's crazy. Come on, somebody. That's what we are. Jesus never intended to come here and do all the work. Jesus came here to take away sin and death and to give us his Holy Spirit that it's the spirit of Jesus that was left behind and put him inside of you. And each one of you that are a Christ follower, you have his spirit in you. And this is the calling. So Christmas, listen, Christmas isn't away in the manger, no crib That's awesome. I'm not, I'm not making fun of you singing about Jesus who was in a manger, but he got old. Come on, somebody. And he took away sin and death and he went back to heaven and he gave himself to you and me. And I don't have to be what I was because I'm back. And now I got to preach. Come on now. That was just the, woo. And so this is what I want you to say to yourself right now. I want you to ask yourself. Am I going somewhere or am I staying where I'm at? Am I comfortable with what I'm doing in life? Am I just trying to do my thing and maybe Jesus can get me out of hell because that was never the plan for Jesus. I'm pretty sure he didn't come take on the sin of the world, carry on all your shame and your scorn so that you could miss hell. And that's awesome. And that is one of the great things that he does for us. But he also came to put you on mission because you are the church. The church is not this building and this, I love this place and I'm so thankful. Every time I walk in here and we go to the office and we joke and we have fun when we work, but we work our hineys off and every time we do, we look around and I say, we've been so blessed, but it's not because of this building, it's because of you and because of Christ in you and because of your generosity and because of everything that takes place because you are the church, you are Christ's moss. He put himself in you through his spirit. And so the question that I want us to leave with today is, should I stay or should I go? Come on, somebody. Y'all know that song. Should I stay or should I go? That's the whole question. Should I stay or should I go? So I want you to tap your neighbor right beside you. We are, we are an interrupting, tapping neighbor church. Don't be awkward. Don't tap them anywhere but the shoulder. Come on now. Be, be appropriate, right? Tap your neighbor and say, we're going to go. Come on. Let me hear it. We're going to go. We're going to go Ruth chapter 1. I'm going to read a lot of verses. Ruth chapter 1, and I'm telling you right now, y'all are going to hear this, 
and you're going to be as excited as I am, and if you're not, you're going to fake it. Come on now, talk to me. We're going to fake it if we're not. But this is what Ruth chapter 1 says. Some of you are like, how does this have to do with Christ's mice? I'm glad you asked. We're going to show you Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem. Did anything significant happen in Bethlehem? Oh, little town. Y'all with me? Did anything? Is this, that's, that's crazy, right? That it was also in Bethlehem. And Judah went to sojourn. Have y'all ever used that word in the sentence? Like when I was reading this, I was like, I've never. It just means to take the journey back for a short time period and stay back in Bethlehem for a minute in the country of Moab. And so he was, he was going to this place, which was kind of, it's in modern day Jordan, the southern part of modern day Jordan. And he had his wife and two sons. And so they were from Bethlehem traveling to Moab, which is not Judah. It's not God's place. But they had to go here. Verse 2 says, The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Mahon and Chilin. And y'all got to remember Chilin. It's actually Chilion, but come on. That dude was probably laid back if his mama named him Chilin. So I'm going to call him Chilin, right? And they were Ephrathites. And why are all these names have to be crazy, right? They can't be from, from Spartanburg, but... From Bethlehem in Judah. And they went into the country of Moab and remained there. And so they had, they had traveled here and they were remaining there for a while. In verse 3, it says, Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was left with her two boys. And these, they took Mo, excuse me, these two guys, the Chillin and his brother. To, <laughs> my long, but I like Chillin better. Took Moabite, uh, excuse me, Moabite wives and the names were Orpah, not Oprah, so don't get that confused. Come on now. But Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And many of us know Ruth, but we don't know this part of Ruth very well. And they lived there for about 10 years. And so you have to figure that they have established themselves in Moab. They've, they've made this their home. And for Ruth and Naomi, this is their home. They don't know Judah. They don't know Bethlehem. They don't know that culture. That's not who they are. And so you got to take that in as we read this. Verse 4, I'm sorry, verse 5 says, And both Malone and Chillin died so that the, women, the uh, woman was left without her two sons and her husband. And so Naomi is without both of her boys and her husband now. And that's, a, that's, that's tough. I mean, it's already tough that you lost your husband, but now your boys are gone. And you're in a place that is not your home. And you're all alone. And that mm, is... That's tough. Verse 6. And then she arose with her daughter-in-law, excuse me, daughters-in-law, to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. And so she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-laws, excuse me, daughters-in-law. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And so they were leaving Moab and going back to Bethlehem or the surrounding regions in Israel to go back where her people are from. And this is what verse 8 says, but Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go. I don't want you to stay here. Excuse me, I don't want you to come with me. I don't, I don't, don't, don't be a leech on the back of me. I, I don't want to be a burden to you. Go return each of you to your mother's house. Don't go to your mother-in-law's house. Some of y'all are like, I wouldn't have to hear that twice. Come on now, y'all talk to me. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. You've been wonderful to me. I'm grateful for you. Now you can stay here, but I got to go. And here's what verse nine says. The Lord granted 
excuse me, the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. And then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. And I, this is, I need y'all to know this before I move on to the rest of the story. Each one of us have a choice. Look right here. Each one of us have a choice in our lives to stay or go. And people in our lives will say, listen, 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 that's too much. That's too hard. You don't really have to do all these things. You don't have to leave what's comfortable. You don't have to do all these other things. You can just, just it's all good. Like it, it was kind of like it was cool to do the Jesus thing for a while, right? But now it's hard. And so maybe we'll just stay put. Maybe it's too difficult. God gives us an amazing gift called free will of choice. But my choice is to stay or go. My choice is to be Christmas and be on mission or to stay right where I am. And everyone in the world is chirping in my ear. That's crazy. That's too much. That's, that's not really God's call for your life, right? That's, that's, that's a little too much. That's a little too hard. That's, that seems a little bit extreme. That's like a religious fanatic. Surely he wouldn't want you to do that. Yeah, that's logical, right? The same dude that was God sitting on the right hand of the father who came down to take on a skin suit and be a human being for 33 years to take on sin and death, rip out the keys of death and hell to give you life, his Holy Spirit and us have life. Yeah, he wouldn't want you to go. Or that's the purpose of his creation in your life. That's the whole reason I was born is to be his light. Not so that I could be known, not so that I could have people look at me and say that guy's good at what he does so that they could know Christ, period. And so when I have my choice and I hear all these voices in my head, it's all good, man. You can just do your thing. Now, does that mean there's something wrong with having fun? Y'all talk to me. Is there something wrong with having fun? No. no, and I think Jesus had a blast. And I think you should have fun. If you're that person that can't smile, have fun. Come on now. <laughs> I've yet to think one thing you've said, Pastor, is funny. You should be serious. Well, I'm not. Sometimes I have fun. Come on now. But I also know that it's our mission, and it's my mission to you to tell you that we've got to go. That we can't stay where we are, that it's time to go. That we got to get up, take up our mats, and go. And that it's not time now to stay. And that even though God's doing something crazy in this house, and it's amazing, and we're celebrating the growth that he has done, we're just getting started because it's time now to go. And so here's what verse 11 says. So, but Naomi said, turn back. Like, you're coming with me, but I want you to turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb? So Naomi was getting old and she's like, do you think I can have a baby? What's wrong with you, right? In my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. I'm not getting married again. I'm going back to my place. This is what she's saying. I'm going back to my place to die. I'm done. If I should say I have hope, even... If I should have a husband this might, excuse me, this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait? Because you're not a spring chicken either, Ruth. You're not a spring chicken either, Orpah. And you're not going to wait on this dude that I have now, and so this is crazy. Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And so, listen, listen. Don't do anything, this is what she's saying, don't do anything that's hard. Don't do anything that doesn't make sense. Don't do, make sure that your life is controlled. 
Make sure that everything's good. And when we get advice, even sometimes from people that love us and are trying to help us, sometimes it goes directly against the will of God for my life. Because everybody wants me safe. But sometimes the will of God is not safe. Have y'all ever heard the saying? I, I think I had a t-shirt when I was a little kid that said the safest place. I remember seeing these at church if I didn't have it. The safest place to be is in the center of God's will. I just want to look at them and say, who you doing? Like, which God's will? Like, that's not always safe. Going, going from Moab where I'm comfortable, going from the place where I know to the place of Judah that I don't know anything about, that's not safe. That's not comfortable. That's not the easiest thing that I can do. But it's the best thing that I can do and it's the way that I'll live my fullest life. And everything in my ears just chirping. No, 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 no. Dude, you don't have to do that. And at your workplace, there's corners you can cut. And in your schools, there's, there's corners you can cut. And there's time that I can take off. And I don't have to remain in Jesus at all times. I can do my thing. And I don't have to be christ mice all the time, right? That's, that seems a little excessive. I can do my thing for a while. I can just go back to Moab. I can just do my thing. Because this seems like a little much. Because the Lord has gone out against me and I don't want you to have the same fate. Verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept. And Orpah kissed her. Which was symbolic. It was a symbolic gesture. But it was a kiss of, I'm so thankful that you've given me the ability to just walk away from this thing. And she kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Can I just tell y'all, we need some more people that are clinging to people today. Because I'm just letting y'all know right now, we're doing this thing in church called Sow to Go. And y'all have seen it if you've been here. And it's seed that we're going to sow and believe God's going to grow a great forest. And this is the picture of sowing seed or not. And I need y'all to take this in right now. Every one of us have the choice whether we're going to stay or whether we're going to go. But with that comes great, great, great consequences. Huge consequences. And on the surface, they seem so small. One kissed, one clung. That's the same. It's not a big deal. She was doing what she told me to do. It's no big deal. It's not even a big deal. What is the big deal? Well, what if God told you to go and you're staying? And well, well, yeah, but, 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 but my mother-in-law told me to stay. Now, that's not the point. What did I call you to do? Listen, I put myself in you. I clothed you with my glory and I put my essence on top of you. When you walk places, people know that you're mine. So I want to know if you're going to do what I called you to do and go or if you're going to do what I gave you the right and by not obeying me, it's the right to just say, I'm, I'm just going to do my thing and I'm going to stay. But the legacy that we leave is all hindered on how we respond. Do we, do we give a kiss and say, thank you for giving me this option. I'm going to live for me. Or do we cling to Jesus? Abide in him is the word. Do we cling to Jesus and say, where you go, I'll go. Because we're either going to be a Ruth or we're going to be an Orpah. Verse 15. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back. She kissed me. She left. She listened to me. I don't want her life to be bitter. I want you to be happy. And that's what we tell people all the time. I just want you to be happy. Sometimes life is not happy. But the only way that I can have true joy is to remain in Jesus, to have the Holy Spirit filling my life every single day because life is not happy sometimes. I'm just being honest with y'all. Sometimes it's hard. Has anybody else's life ever been hard? Yes. It's hard sometimes. And I don't, care, I don't care what great thing happens. If someone passes away and the thing that you've been hoping for happens and 10 minutes later that happens and someone dies, you're not still happy, are you? 
Because circumstances dictate how we feel. And when I let circumstantial evidence or circumstantial things dictate if I stay or if I go, which is what this is, then I will live a roller coaster life and never have joy. And that is most Christians. Most of us are not on mission because we don't understand why we should be on mission. He said, see, your sister has gone back to her people and to her, I think there's something to this, y'all, to her guides. You know why we turn away from Jesus? It's because we find comfort in other things and, and we, call them, we call them coping <laughs> mechanisms, right? Or we call them anything else. But addictions and coping mechanisms are not coping mechanisms. They're our idols. They're our gods. And that's what we listen to. That's the voices that we hear. What does everybody else think about me? What if I do that? Would they, would they, would they think I'm crazy? Yep. A lot of people think I'm crazy. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Come on, somebody. But we got to decide who we're listening to because that's where we're going. You're, check this out. You're somebody's moss. You're somebody's moss. I don't know who your somebody is, but I'm hoping your somebody is Jesus. I'm hoping you're Christ's moss and you're carrying him every place you live, work, and play. But you're somebody's moss. You are a representation of somebody. You are not your own. The Bible says I was bought with a price, so I should honor God with my body and with my life. But I'm honoring someone with something because I never walk out on my own. I'm a representation of something. I'm not just a pangle, and I'm proud of my name. But I'm the righteousness of God because he bought me with his price, with his blood. And so when I leave, I don't care what people say. Due to you, sure, look, you could go back. You can just do your thing. It's, it's hard. Go back and worship your gods. Return after your sister-in-law. And here's what Ruth said, and Ruth is that girl. I'm just telling y'all right now, she's awesome. Because Ruth didn't know this stuff. It's not like Ruth was walking into a situation where she was like, sweet, this is just comfortable. Ruth said, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return to where I'm comfortable and where I'm from and all these other things that I should be wanting to go do. And so many of us have said, and I know you've probably said it because I've said it in the past, and I'm not proud of that, but this is what I've said. Man, it's hard to be a Christian sometimes because this is what I could do if I wasn't. Is anybody else honest enough to admit that you've thought that before? Three of you. That's awesome. Is anybody else honest enough to say, if I wasn't a Christian, I could do all these fun things. I can't have sex outside of marriage. That, that, that sounds awesome. I wish I could do that. I can't get crazy and get drunk all the time and party. And I wish I could do those things. And I wish I could go back to the gods that, that fulfill my life and make me fun. But it's, it's temporary and it ends in death and it's miserable. And she said, don't urge me to leave and go back to that junk. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I'll lodge. For your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. What if that was how we lived our lives? Sometimes I don't know where we're going, and sometimes it's scary to walk out. But what if that's how we lived our lives? What if we sounded like Ruth? And she continues that thought in verse 17. And she says this, where you die, I will die. Because sometimes we don't know what the end is. But Ruth didn't care at that point, did she? She completely threw off all of her own selfish ambition and said, I will be buried there. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And Naomi saw that she was determined. That's a good word, y'all. That she was determined to go with her. And she said, no more. She stopped arguing with her. She stopped trying to talk her into it. 
And I believe in the face of adversity that every single one of you will face this week when you are Christ's moss and you leave, our determination or lack thereof will determine whether or not we will continue to walk with Christ. And we will carry the banner that he has placed inside of us. But I need y'all to know this, and this is my favorite part of this story. I'm not going to read the rest. I wish I had time. This is a whole series about Ruth, and I'll do it someday because it's such a great uh, story. But both of these ladies left. One went back to Moab, Orpah, and the other said, I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm going to follow you. And the legacy that we leave is determined by if we stay or we go. And I never knew this before, and this is the thing that I'm so excited about this series, but I knew the Ruth legacy. If you read Matthew or you read Luke, you can see the genealogy of Jesus, and you can see the legacy. And you see, when you see an acorn and you see something small, it seems so small, right? Because it is small. But you never really get to see the harvest that God has for you. You only get to be faithful and live it out. And others get to see the harvest. And can I just tell y'all, we're living in the legacy of Ruth today. Because if Ruth had not been obedient, this would never have happened. Because here's Ruth's legacy, the genealogy of Jesus, and I'm not going to read it all, but she married Boaz, and it's a great story. If you don't know it, you need to go read it. And they had Obed and Jesse and then David. That guy was pretty significant. Let me just tell y'all something. He was a pretty, pretty cool cat. Most significant king in the history of Israel. Most impactful king in the history of Israel. Amazing. And then you go through all these names in her line because she said, I'm going to go. And there's this dude down at the bottom. What's his name? Jesus. Huh. So when I go, the legacy that I leave isn't necessarily people knowing my name. It's not necessarily my name in lights. It's not necessarily fun or comfortable. Sometimes it's hard. But I'm leaving a massive, massive legacy behind me. Every step that I make, I leave whatever I am following behind me. And I'm sowing into whatever I'm believing. And in this case, that's a pretty awesome legacy because she was faithful even though she didn't know where she was going. And she met a man when she didn't look, by the way, for everybody out there that's desperate to find a husband or desperate to find a wife. When she stopped looking, God gave her her Boaz. And this is her legacy, a name that is above every name. At that name, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is Lord. And it was the essence that she left because she went. Listen, it did not make her good. But God covered it and made her good. She and her actions were not good, but God made her good. Just like you, what you do is not what makes you good. But your decision determines your legacy. Your decision turns your harvest. Because you're sowing somewhere. And that's what determines it. And here's the other option. And this is the part where my mind exploded. And where I'm going to get really preaching to close. Look at this. This is Orpah. This is our other option right here. Orpah. To stay. The Jewish rabbis, that's what that word means, tells us that Ag Agda, these cats' names, right? The real name of Orpah was Harufa. And listen, this is what it said. She did not, she, she did find a new husband. When she went back, she did find a new husband. Again, the result of a shrewd political alliance between Eglon, king of Moab, 
and the Philistine king of Gath. And in those days, there were still giants living in Moab. Most of them had moved to the coastal plains and Orpah became the wife of one of these. By the way, that says Eminem, so I feel like we should lose ourselves in the music the moment you want it. You better never let it go. Y'all don't even know who Eminem is, apparently. That word just means giants, but I thought I should throw Eminem in. Come on, somebody. And she bore four really big sons, and their names were Ishbanab, bless their hearts for these names, and Saf, and Lami, and then what's this dude's name? So at the very tail end of Orpah's life, when she was extremely old, she had a, a baby boy, and his name was Goliath. And the seed that she left behind was the epitome of evil in that day. And the only thing she did different was a kiss instead of a clung. Instead of clinging and abiding in Jesus, she kissed and left and said, this is too hard, I can't stay. It's this different, right? We look the part, we sound the part, we act the part, and we let little things in our lives dictate if we're going to stay or if we're going to go. If we're going to carry the mantle of Jesus Christ where we live, work, and play, and if we're going to show everybody that I am Christ's Moss, and in Him is life, and the life was the light of the world. Or am I going to just say, nah, I bet they're talking about me. And we start listening to those voices and we say, it's too hard, I'm going to go because your kids are affected and their kids are affected and their kids are affected and generations are affected and this becomes the legacy thousands of years later David and Jesus or Goliath evil and good it wasn't that one was good and one was evil they were both carnal they were both far from God one just simply went and the other stayed and that's the basis of everything in my life. It's not how hard I work. It's not how much I learn. The basis of me in my life is simply if I stay or if I go. And so I need y'all to get this. The legacy that we leave is determined by how we respond when God says go. And this is the great news today. John 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That same God in verse 12, this is what it says in John 1 to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become his children. He gave the right to put his moss, his go, his essence, his anointing inside of you through the person of the Holy Spirit to make you his son and clothe you in his glory and honor. Listen, who were born not of blood, we all are different families in this room, but we're all part. Every person is a Christian of the family of God because we got a blood transfusion. And it wasn't blood transfusion at the blood bank. It was blood transfusion through the Lord Jesus. When we trusted him as Savior, and you are my family through this way because I wasn't born of blood or of flesh, but of the will of God, of his blood and his righteousness, but of God. And here's what 14 says, that same word became flesh and lived among us and we have seen his glory. We have seen his stuff. Glory is only as the only son of the father full of grace and full of truth. And do you know where I see the glory of God? It's in you because he put himself in you. And every time that you go, I see the glory of God because that's what he did in you. 
The same John, the same guy at the end of his life when he was in Ephesus and about to be put imprisoned in the island of Patmos. He's writing these epistles, these letters. And he was an old man at the time. It was kind of like Papa John. This was when he was younger. And about 30 years later, he wrote this letter, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And in 1st John chapter 2, he kind of explains to us how to do it. And there's not many times in the New Testament that this word is used. Remember, that's what Christ means. Anointed or to anoint. And he says, listen, but, but the anointing that you have received, the day that you trusted Jesus, the anointing you received abides in you. It's inside of you. And you have no need that anyone should teach. When you face the most difficult things in the world, the Holy Spirit of God is better inside of you than even if Jesus himself was standing there. Because he left himself for you. He put his, his, his person in you through the Holy Spirit. And this is what he said, listen. But as his anointing, as his Christ's mass inside of you, as it teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And then this is how he finishes it in verse 28. He says, now, little children. Isn't that interesting that he said little children? He says, little children, abide in him. He didn't say, now, church, now all of you adults. And I, there's no doubt he was speaking to people that are your age and my age. But he called us little children. It's because in Mark 6, Jesus said, don't, let, don't hinder the children when they come to me. Let them come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And for us to have faith, we have to come to him like children and we have to believe him like children. We have to trust him like children. And the other day, uh, th this is really not just the other day. This is almost every day. I say something to my kids. I do something to my kids. Sometimes I get a little crazy and I raise my voice with my kids and I don't like that. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone to Laney and Haston, sat them down on the chair and said, baby, I'm really sorry daddy, daddy shouldn't let things do that. Please forgive me. After a couple minutes, after I've sat with them, please forgive me, I'm very sorry. And then I'll look at them, this is unbelievable. I look at them and say, do you forgive daddy? Yeah. And they'll perk up, can we go get ice cream? And I'm just like, you're supposed to, to hold a grudge, right? You're supposed to be mad at me for a while. Hey, can we go get ice cream? Can we go to the mall and ride rides? And they're just immediately ready to go. And they don't think about all the hard times and they don't think about every other thing that we hold on to as adults because we remember our sins, right? We, we hold on to them and we look at everybody else and we think about our circumstances and we say, it's too hard. I can't go. Or we do this. We, the fact that I can't beat that addiction. Y'all remember that? I can't beat it. I'm addicted to fill in the blank for whatever it is for you. Because sometimes that's our moss, right? The way that we fill in the blank. And I'm just going to challenge y'all to do something for me. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, your addiction to drugs, pornography, your addiction to gossip and Facebook, the next time that you're on it, I want you to look at that and say, I'm the righteousness of God. I want you to look at it and say, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm talking about in the middle of it, you're looking at it, you're doing it, 
you're talking about them. I want you to tell whatever it is that you're the righteousness of God and that you will abide in him. And that no matter what people say about you, you're going to go. That it's not any longer that you're going to be defined by what you used to be defined by because you are not defined by what you used to be or what you did yesterday. You are defined by the fact that Jesus Christ came down, took on sin and death, threw it in jail, threw it in hell, is no more. And I can have life in his name. I can be his child and I can go because it's not what I do that makes me who I am. It's the fact that Christ is in me that makes me who I am. And I'm the righteousness of God. I tell those sins go to hell. I will not be defined by you anymore. I will be defined as the righteousness of God, as the child of the Most High God. I am not good because I stand here. I am no different than you. But I am going to be like a little child and abide in him so that when he appears, I have confidence. I'm not shrinking down. I'm not hoping, oh goodness, I should have done this better. No, I'm doing it better now because I'm going to go. And so here's the whole thing. And this is your mission. You are Christ Moss. Ready. Set. Come on now. We're Christ Moss and I'm not staying here. I'm not staying still. I'm about to kick these light bulbs down and they look really good. So y'all don't make me kick them down because I'm fired up and I'm ready to go. And this is not where we stop. This is where we get started. I'm talking about this. Christmas has a totally different meaning to me. Am I the only one? I'm Christ Moss. Come on, somebody. I'm Christ Moss. You're Christ Moss. I'm going to look at all that devil that I fought all week and I'm going to say no more. I'm the righteousness of God. Ready, set. No. Come on, ready, set. No. That's what we are. That's, right. That's what we are. We don't have to be what we've always been. We are Christ Moss, and I'm telling the world, get ready. Because I'm sowing seed and I'm watching him go, and I don't care if people think we're crazy because I'm ready, set, go. Because I'm the righteousness of God. And I want when I leave that I'm Ruth and not Orpah. Because I will be one, and so will you. And so here's your opportunity today. And I just feel like this is for somebody in the room. There's a lot of you that have addictions and it's weighed you down. And your opportunity is ready, set, go right here. And you know what? If you stay, that's your legacy. And it's going to cripple you and it's going to hold on to you. And no one's going to judge you. If anybody in this room judges you, I hope they never come back to this church. With all my heart, I mean that because we are no different but you are the righteousness of God if you trust him. And so I just want you to get up right now. If you're struggling, if you're alone, Christmas is the time of year where people feel most alone. By five times, there's more suicides in December than any other month. And I just want you to come on and come down with us right now and say, ready, set, go, man, I'm coming. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for my life to have meaning. And then the other option that you can do right now is say, man, I'm not even a child of God. I've never given my heart and life to him. Ready, set, go. And instead of coming down here, I want you to go to our prayer wall. As soon as I say three, I'm going to give you a chance to move. And if no one moves, so be it. That means that we're all following God and we're all on mission because that's our call and that we're Christ Christmas for every one of you in the room. Don't you let anything hold you back. It's time to go. And on the count of three, people that are lost, that want Jesus, want life in his name, you're going to go back to the back wall. People that want freedom in whatever it is you're struggling with, you're going to come right here and you're just going to kneel before God. I'm going to say one, two, three, ready, set, go.
and I want you to go. One, two, three, ready, set, go. Move if that's you. Move right now if that's you. If it's nobody in the room, so be it. But I want you to get up and go if that's you. And I want you to say right now, when you move, I am the righteousness of God. Praise God that every one of you are on mission. That is awesome. God, we're going to worship you, our King of Kings. But as we leave here today, we're not staying still. God, I'm so thankful for Christmas and I'm not thankful just for wise men or shepherds. I'm so thankful that you came born of a virgin and we should celebrate that. And that's what Christmas is, celebrating when you came. But God, why you came is so that we could be your church. We could be Christ's moss. We could be on mission because you've put your stuff in us. And now we say, we gone, we going and we and we're going to change the world. Every single neighbor, every single coworker, we want them to know what you've done in us. And God, from this day forward, we will shine your light. And as we sing this amazing song, we want you to know that it's all for you, Jesus. We love you. Will you stand with us?